Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Robin Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success, where I bring you dynamic guests from across the country. And today we have an incredible guest. Her name is Roseanne Dacilio. She is a PhD, an industrial psychologist, consultant, master trainer, best selling author, an executive coach customer service expert and president of Human Technologies Global Incorporated, which specializes in human performance management. Over the last nearly 25 years, she has provided needs analysis in structural design and customized live customer service skills training, as well as executive leadership coaching. She also offers... She also offers is agent and facilitator university certificate certification to Purdue University's Center for Customer Driven Quality. She's known as the practical champion of the human. She authors seven bestsellers: Wake Up Your Call Center, Humanize Your Interaction Hub, Fourth Edition, Customer Service and the Human Experience, Lay Your Cards on the Table. 52 Ways to Stack Your Personal Deck, which includes 32-card deck of cards, Motivational Inspirational Readings, How to Kick Your Customer Service Up a Notch, 101 Insider Tips, How to Kick Your Customer Service Up a Notch, Another 101 Insider Tips, The Expert's Guide to Customer Service, The Expert's Guide to Customer Service, Volume 2, as well as her popular complimentary tips newsletter, on how to kick your customer service up a notch at www.humantechtips.com. Roseanne is also a certified call center benchmarking auditor through Purdue University's Center for Customer Driven Quality. This certification training focuses on the access and use of key performance data to help better understand benchmarking results so as to advise on practical solutions for improvement. For 10 years prior to starting her own organization, Roseanne had responsibility for marketing, budgeting, promoting, and ultimately producing domestic and international computerized trade shows in the U.S., London, Belgium, and Frankfurt, Germany. She inaugurated, created, trained, and directed a telemarketing on-site staff and was one of the first 150 people to obtain CMP, which is Certified Meaning Professional, certification in 1987. She is a columnist for TMCNet.com, Ask the Expert at SupportIndustry.com, and the National Networker. She represents the human element on the advisory board of an Italian software company, authors numerous articles for industry newsletters, and is a much sought-after, dynamic, vibrant, internationally prominent keynote speaker. Her main site is www.human-technologies.com with information as how to contact her. Welcome, Roseanne. I am just honored to have you. Do you ever sleep? It sounds like you're doing (laughs) amazing things. I have a lot of energy. I'm very high energy, and I'm very good at organizing and delegating and staying grounded. Well, that's that's a great trait. Um, I'm excited about our topic today, Don't Stop Before the Miracle. What do you mean by Don't Stop Before the Miracle? Okay, um, if we were walking on a tightrope or on a zip line, 
of course we wouldn't stop three-quarters of the way across or down. So don't stop before the miracle for me simply means going for what you want. Don't let anything stop you. Be tenacious, stay focused, stay on point, stay committed to the results. You know, that's really great advice because so many times people give up just before they're about ready to hit big time. Yeah. You know, and so mm-hmm. you just have to have I think what you're saying is have your vision in your mind and just keep going no matter what, you know, because you will have up and yeah. downs and and then if you just like you say be tenacious, never give up, you're going to achieve it much faster than giving up what you were doing and then saying, "Oh, that's probably something else." Um when and how did you, your change of careers come about? It's very interesting. I had been working for a company for 10 years, happily, producing trade shows all over the world. And you were as good as your last production. And even though I loved it, the burnout rate was very high. I'd also moved up as far as I could. I was a vice president of my own division. The only person I reported to was the president. And he was pretty happy with what he was paying me. And that was all well and good, but the time came where I felt like I was a human being, not a human being, but a human doing. Mm -hmm. There was no work-life balance in those days. And the actual change came about very unsuspectingly. Very simply, I stopped smoking through a program at my local hospital at the time I lived in Danbury, Connecticut. I had smoked for 33 years. I stopped. I didn't gain an ounce, and I never started again. So I called the hospital, and I asked them if they needed instructors. And I ultimately ended up working for them for a year, and then I got licensed on my own so I could provide programs to corporations since I've always worked in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And I subsequently got licensed as a stress management consultant. Then I went back to school for my master's and my Ph.D. in business administration with a specialty in conflict resolution, and that changed my whole life. Wow, and I think that even today that's such a big issue that companies need somebody because there seems to be a lot of that out there. I think people are just so stressed out. So that's oh, great. I agree. Um, who were your influencers, negative and positive? Well, my positive influencers was my then husband. He was my cheerleader. I wouldn't be where I am today were it not for him. I also wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for my mentors, my coaches, all the people that were in my corner gently and sometimes not so gently pushing me, stretching me challenging me, holding me accountable, and supporting me to reach my goals, my aspirations, and my dreams. And I'd have to say that the negatives would have been two things. One was my parents. Um, They kept saying, you have a great job. Why would you try something new? There's so many risks involved. Don't rock the boat. And looking back, I could see where they were coming from and that they were trying to be supportive, but they were really holding me back. And I had to I had to make a choice. And that's why I needed people in my corner supporting me because I was a good girl. I wanted to listen to my parents. 
Right. So that's good. Yeah, and I, I also believe that even coaches need coaches. You know, so I think we can always learn and excel and grow ourselves as we are helping others grow and excel. I totally agree. And one of the things that I really agree on, which you actually haven't said, but I think you believe too, um, I I have coaching clients that I adore, that I really learn from and that stretch me as well. But I believe that you can't take anyone beyond where you are in your success, in your journey. And I think it's so important to be conscious of that because sometimes it's time to move on to whoever's next. Right, I agree. And uh, it's interesting you say that because um, just yesterday I I did an interview with someone and he he has been around about 22,000 people and he did something, he did an analysis of what the people who... um, are highly successful, what traits that they all had that were in common. And one of them that you just mentioned is that they continue to learn. They continue to grow. And so, um, and then that was, and the other one was stay focused, you know, and that's the other thing you sort of said because if you don't stay focused and and you, then you get off track and you're not going to achieve it as well. Yeah. And there are so many distractions out there to keep you off track. Right. Uh, something well, as simple to... as as our phones. Right. You know, years back, we had no Internet. We had, I'm giving my age away. We had no iPhones or iPads. We didn't even have pagers. So when you finished work at 5 o'clock and you went home, you were home. Today, right. all those follow you around, you look at, you go out to dinner in a restaurant and you see people sitting face down in their lap or in their hand checking their emails. So the lines of demarcation have blurred and there's more stress and there's more things to distract us from what really is what we truly want. Right, I agree with you. Because uh, sometimes, like you said, people are, and they're ignoring the people they're sitting at the table with, in a sense. They, they're <laughs> hearing them, but they're not looking at them and, and giving the, the the people the feeling that they're with them, you see? Exactly, exactly. What are the risks and rewards that kept you going? Well, the risks are obvious. Um, could I make enough money to support myself? Would there be cash flow? And and I could take those and run with them and scare myself into immobility. But the rewards are open and endless. Of course, the money was and is wonderful. But for me, as important as is the sense of contribution I make to whomever I'm in contact with, I'm known in a very high-tech industry as the champion for the human. So I'm all about motivating and inspiring someone to go for the gold and have Mm -hmm. them get in touch with their humanness and bring that to the world. Then I'm delighted. And I've been in the corporate world, as I said, my whole life. And one of the things I love to do when I speak at conferences is wake up the quote-unquote robotrons or the autotron, whatever you want to call them, that are sitting in the audience and find their humanness so they're more alive when they leave than they come in. And that's 
fabulous for me. I mean, then I know I'm making a difference, and that's yeah. what I'm all about. I want to make a difference. Yeah, one of the uh, my favorite uh, things that I tell everybody, it's all about showing up because showing up is like a treasure map. You never know what treasure you're going to find. So I'm sure when they show up at your training, the treasure is you help them come alive, and I think that's wonderful. What yeah, or who me tried? Too. Oh, me too. What or who tried or actually stopped you? It's more of a what than a who. The voices in my head were my worst offenders, and if someone doesn't know what I mean, I'll stop talking for a minute so you can hear your own voices in your head. These are what I call limited belief systems, and limited belief systems reminds me of a story about a man who is a boy, and maybe some of you women as well, were told, don't talk to strangers. Fast forward, this grown man's driving somewhere that he's never been before and he's lost. He doesn't pull off to a gas station or a convenience store. He won't ask for directions. Maybe you've had this experience. I sure have. And, and why won't he stop and ask for help? Because as a child, he was told, don't talk to strangers, and he's still carrying that around with him. Certainly served for safety as a child, but in today's world, as an adult, it's okay to ask for help. That's an example of a limited belief system. And I have a lot of them that come up every time I have what I'll call a growth spurt, where I'm moving forward or I'm pushing the edges and all of a sudden I'll hear in my head, oh, yeah, where do you think you're going? Who do you think you are? And I have to challenge those or I'll collapse into it and I'll be immobilized. Hmm. Um, you've written eight books. How does that help you? And how long does it take you to do a book? Um first question how does it help me if they're like large business cards they create credibility and they create authority for me as an expert in my field but just as important it goes in that left-hand column of my self-worth and my self-esteem and while I can't quit my day job on book sales they are like I said large business cards so they allow me to raise my fees and how long does it take me? Um, my first book, which I felt like was giving birth to a child, which was Wake Up Your Call Center, Humanize Your Interaction Hub, took me over a year. And a lot of what was in there was in my doctorate in terms of my dissertation. And I had a lot of help with editors, and my publisher had an editor that helped me. After that, most of the books I did writing myself, fitting them into times when I could write, and I am pretty disciplined. So I, I'm very good in the morning. Four o'clock in the afternoon is my worst time of day. But I'm very good in the morning, so I would discipline myself to not read my emails, to not do any correspondence, but to write for two hours or more. Wow, and I did that consistently, and that's how I do all my projects. If I have a training that's very customized that mm -hmm. I need to do, I start it. 
for me, if I start something, it's easy to go back and continue it as compared to first sitting down and starting it. So if someone were to ask me to create a presentation on X, the minute I get off the phone, I'd start that presentation, I'd name it, and then I'd go on about my day. And then as it got closer, I'd go back to it and I'd keep working on it, but I've begun it, and that's just easier for me. Right. But everyone has their own, I can't think of what they're called now, uh, rhythms, circadian rhythms which means there's certain times of day when you have high energy and certain times of day when you have low energy. So you want to match what you're doing at those different times. Four o'clock in the afternoon is not a good idea for me to take on a new project. That's a good time to read my emails, to plan my next day, to do things that don't take what major focus takes when I have high energy in the morning. Well, I want to ask you something. When you were writing your books, did you outline all your chapters and then go back and fill them in, or did you just do the chapters as you went? I did a little of both. I jotted down what I wanted to talk about in the book, and I went back to put in stories about whatever facts I was using. And then I had, I I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it an outline, but I had a sheet that had everything on it that I kept adding to that I didn't want to forget to include. And then, God bless computers, I could go back and I could cut and paste or I could move it from one document to another. Right. Imagine imagine if we years ago when people wrote in pencil and then they had to go back and rewrite it and rewrite it. We're so blessed with all the technology that we have today. Yeah. What are when the I was five... doing my... What, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, finish your... I was going to say, you you reminded me of when I was doing my, uh, writing my dissertation, we had a computer, but it had a dot matrix printer with the little holes that went on the sheets that went on the side of the printer. And writing a dissertation is, they're anal. They tell you how many inches down, what the left and right margin is, where the number goes on the chapter and the subsequent pages. Well, I didn't know how to do page numbers. So what I did is I took one page and I cut a hole in the center of the bottom exactly where they wanted it and up at the top where they wanted it. And as I printed out all my pages, I went to the typewriter and I typed in the numbers until I learned. By the time the review, when I had to rewrite it, because my professor had some things to say about it. By then, I had learned how to number pages. I forgot all about that. You know, you make do. Yeah, you make do with what you have. Um, what are uh, the best five best tips that you you can give our listeners? Well, number one tip for me is don't stop before the miracle. And if you saw the movie We Bought a Zoo, there was a great line in that movie. The guy said. You know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery, and I promise you something great will come of it. And I thought that was great. I mean, if you're open to the message, 
the message is delivered through so many places. I could be watching a soap opera at night on TV and there'll be a message coming to me that's motivating or inspiring or reminds me of something. And and this is 20 seconds of insane courage. That's all it takes. And something great will happen. And to trust that process, you know, our our time on earth is a journey, not an event. And so is our growth. And even though I'd like to think the minute you make a decision, everything is rosy, it's not. Right. It's not rosy. It's a journey. Second tip that I like is the ten most powerful two-letter words. If it is to be, it is up to me. Not the person you're sitting next to or living with or working with or working for, but it's up to you. You are the CEO of your life. And then one that was taught to me that I really like is to ask yourself, if not now, when? And if not me, who? And there's an old, old proverb that said, if I'm being who you want me to be, who's going to be me? Hmm. And for many years, I think I was, if you wanted me to be green, I'll be green. If you wanted me to be blue, I'll be blue. I was a people pleaser, and I still am at some level today, but not at the expense of who I am. Right. I now have a sense of who I am, and I, I am not willing to give that up, except in those moments when I forget and then I, you know, take it back. So let's see. Another one would be don't rip yourself and me off by not doing what you want. Don't, don't say rip that off again. The universe. Don't rip yourself and me off by not doing what you want. Don't rip off the universe by the contribution that you have to make. We are all unique and we all have a contribution to make. And the the fun thing for me is to find that in a person, especially in a person that thinks they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, number five would be find out what feeds your soul. I like you that. You may be very skilled in what it is you know how to do, but it doesn't bring you pleasure. It doesn't feed your soul. That is And then I so have true. I have one Yeah, go ahead. You have one more. Go ahead. I was gonna say I have a bonus tip. I like to give people more than what they're asking for. And that is find that one word that describes you, who you are, and say it every day. And when someone says, So how are you today? You answer with the three words, I am, and you fill in your word. For example, so it says find that one word that describes who you are, right? Right. That's, I, For example, that, uh, ask me how I am. How are you? I am awesome. And every time I say it, I smile because it's uncomfortable. But I mm-hmm. am awesome. And I want to be able to step into that. I promise you it makes a difference. One of my clients' words is excellent. 
so when she, we do coaching over the phone, and when she calls, she goes, how are you, Roseanne? And I go, I am awesome. How are you? And she says, I am excellent. What a way to start a session. What a way to start a day. Look in the mirror, find your word, say those three words to yourself, and every time someone says, how are you, you answer, I am whatever your word is. I love that. I, I run, I'm, I'm the NAFI Western and Mid-Atlantic Regional Coordinator, and NAFI is the largest global network for women. I run meetings. So tomorrow is one of my Menifee meetings. I'm going to have everybody do that one word, and I'm going to tell them that I picked up the tip from you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's what I mean by making a contribution, and then it spills out, and it spills yeah. out. You know? It makes and, them think. It I, makes them think, too. It, yeah, yeah. And you can't help smiling. What I would do if you're going to do that and you have a large audience, have them yell out their word to you and then tell a partner to keep making it real. Uh-huh. Okay, that sounds good. Um, with all that yeah. you do, what's your favorite thing that you do? Oh, wow. I would have to say my favorite is the coaching because it's personal, it's one-on-one, and very clearly you can see the measurable results. I also like to do consulting at corporations and wake them up. I love to speak at conferences all over the world and make a difference and see the difference in the audience and bring them alive. I want to wake people up. I think that's what I like to do wake people up and I seem to have a gift of being able to reach inside and find the human in another person and maybe it's merely by sharing my humanity I don't know I don't know and I don't think I need to know it works and so I'm just leaving it alone is there one that's your favorite one one what one of all the things you do, what is you said coaching is your favorite. Oh, yeah, I think coaching is my favorite because the results are measurable. It's one-on-one. In a group, you know, I'll catch a half a dozen or a dozen people, and I won't even know about the other people that I've impacted. But in coaching, I know who they are because they're right, you know, they're either right in front of me or I do most of the coaching on the phone because I find I can be more intrusive. And I travel a lot out of the country, and this way I can do it from whatever location I'm in. Um, How do you help other women and men, of course? Uh, With my coaching program, I do both men and women, from middle management up to CEOs. And how do I help them? I think I help them because we are engaged in exploring who they are, their strengths, and with no limitations. What would they like support in growing both personally and professionally? I'm a results person, not a reasons person. So the focus is on the result, not the reason why we didn't get the result. And I've had 30-plus years of experience, both as an employee, an employer, a solo entrepreneur, and I willingly share my story and my challenges, all the yes but. Yes, but you did this, Roseanne. You can do it. I yes but, yes but, yes but. And I say yes, and let's see what you have that you don't even know you have. 
Mm-hmm. And at this juncture, we can begin to uncover the limited belief systems, set them free, and create new paradigms. Oh, that's wonderful. How does your coaching program work, and where can we learn more about it? And also, I know you have a tips new- newsletter. I'd like share also at the end how they can, because we're getting down on time, uh, how they can okay. reach you and how they can get the um, uh, the newsletter. Okay. But start about your program, coaching program. Okay. Um, we set, we work over the phone, like I said. We set short-term and long-term measurable goals, being very specific as to what you want so the universe can give you even more. And it's a process, not an event. So we usually do 10 sessions to begin and then relook at what's next. And at the moment, I have two spots open in our coaching program. And that's at uh, com forward slash capital C coaching dot htm. I only have two spots left, so if anyone's interested, we need to look at what's your willingness, what are you committed to, what are the reasons why you don't have what you want in your life, and what are the results you're looking for. And our newsletter is at www.humantechtips.com. And that is kick your customer service up a notch. And we have over 500 at this point tips. Wow, that's great. Well, I can't believe this half hour is already gone. And I want to <laughs> thank you so much for being my guest today. It, you have, gave them some incredible tips. Some incredible tips, and I wish you great continued success, and I know that you're out there changing lives every day. And thank you again, Roseanne, for being on my show. I absolutely loved it. Thank you for having me. Bye now. Bye-bye.